Welcome to the Hotspot. I'm your host, Armandez Fuliarjamandi. Today we have a conversation with Abai Kumar, Chief Product Officer at Helium Inc. Abai shares the latest details about when validators are launching on mainnet, opinions about reward splitting on-chain, and a very cool demo of the new Helium Zodiac NFTs, which you will not want to miss. Abai, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks Armand. It's been a while. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's really cool to have you here. You're actually one of the first community members that I interacted with. And right. <laughs> funny. what's funny is that you are now a Helium team member, but you weren't always. You started as a community member and you made this website called Mylar, which was like the first ever Helium hotspot earnings tracking tool. I think at some point, like 52 or 53% of all the hotspots on the network were tracked on it just because it was like the best. It was like the only thing. And then eventually you like you, you like went black. <laughs> you stopped developing <laughs> updates and then suddenly you're on the Helium team. So <laughs> yeah, like what? How'd that happen? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's kind of wild. Yeah, we um, I think we got to talking to each other because of Mylar, and yeah, I built I built this app, um, and you know, so, some folks may already know the story, but you know, I I had about ten hotspots um, early on back in 2019. You know, we were you, know, you and I were on and there in the Slack days um, before we all moved over to Discord, and you know, we had uh, there was a need right for you and for me and for a lot of other folks in the community who had more than really like more than three hotspots, and we wanted to be able to track how our things were going, and so um, we I built Mylar um, mostly because I uh, I was. Uh, just left another job and this is what I was doing full time. I was like learning about helium and I was, um, you know, hanging out with my kids. Those are my two, those are my two jobs at the time. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. And, and after, uh, several months, yeah, I think you mentioned, um, over, I think, I think at the peak, it was 58% of the network was covering, it was covered by Mylar, which is, uh, more <laughs> because there wasn't another tool. Like, let's be honest. It was a very basic tool and it was good enough for what I needed. I'm really glad that people found it useful. And apparently people continue to find it useful, which, you know, boggles my mind, given all the other community apps that are out there, given all the improvements that the Helium team has made to explore. Um, you know, I, if I were going to build Mylar again, I'd probably go use Hotspotty or Helisum or, you know, a variety of tools that are out there. I mean, even, even Fairspot, your tool, you have a tax tool in there, which I think is, is great for folks that need to, to manage that, especially, you know, in the next month or within this month when, uh, for, for <laughs> hopefully they've already managed it. <laughs> or, or if you're doing it like I do, which is I sort of defer to the, uh, to, to the October timeframe and I do it in the end of June. <laughs> like, so, also know, valid. Uh, <laughs> so like, yeah, this is when I deal with my taxes. So, you know, tools like that are really great in the, in the ecosystem system and uh, you know my my role at helium now is is to try to enable the team to build you know what we think we are uniquely positioned to be able to build but then enable the community to build everything else uh, this community only exists because of folks in the ecosystem building things and i think that um you know that that's what we want to see uh, as, as core team members yeah the ecosystem's really exploded since the mylar days because as you said you, it was really the only thing and now there are like 10 things and they're all really yeah. good and high quality. And back then it just felt like a little club where like at midnight, it was just silent. No one was talking anymore and there was no activity. And now there's like 70,000 members in the discord, which is just like nuts. My goodness. And there's people talking on voice chat 24 seven. I don't think I've ever seen that, that chat uh, quiet, which is incredible. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, I accidentally double clicked the voice chat the other day and I and I was like, oh, crap. Uh, hi, guys. And they were like, hey, Armand, what's up? I was like, oh, my God, what? what's going on? Why are there so many people in here? Um, but yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you've come so far from, from Mylar and now you're the chief product officer and you're managing the blockchain team and you're also managing proof of coverage. So that's a lot of responsibility. How's it going? 
Like really well. I mean, we're, we're a small team, right? And, and as uh, a lot of members of the community know, we're, we're only um, the company that sort of uh, you know, started the Helium network um, uh, is only 40 people at this point. Um, so, you know, we have wow. up to over 20 engineers, um, product managers, designers, um, uh, and then we have uh, a sales and marketing team. And, and but we, we want to stay scrap, scrappy. And, you know, I my background is much larger tech companies. Um, and one of my goals was to work at a company that never planned on being that big. And this is like, this is great. Um, and I think, I think it's possible in crypto. Um, you know, we can be core developers or some of the core developers. Ultimately, we want to not be the only ones. Um, we want to allow other folks, well, honestly, I just want to give folks in the community who are interested, um, commit access to, to the minor repo, to the blockchain core repo. Um, we got our first, uh, uh, like real, like, significant contribution by um, a really early member of the Helium community, early miner, Steven um, S1 or Alpha Method on, uh, on, on uh, Discord. Um, and he built uh, a something that he needed for a project that he's working on in blockchain node, but it's actually something that we're pulling into, into ETL now. Um, this is a way to track uh, the implicit burns and, and all the kinds of data credit burns that happen in the system. Um, and that uh, that was a the, it was an enormous enormous effort, and you know uh, we're really sort of glad to see things like this happening in the in the community. Well, that's a direct contribution that I will be able to use, and many people will benefit from because I'll be able to add that to the tax tool and track implicit burns, which was yep, one of exactly. the biggest things that was missing. So that's so awesome. That was the community that said, you know, a member of the community who's been a miner. Um, he's been to the office a very very long time ago, um, uh, and uh, you know he said, I need this for this project I'm working on. So can I? open a pull request and we're like, absolutely, please, like, let's do it. <laughs> That's the goal, right? Is eventual decentralization of the community owning the project and the Helium team not even having to exist or make commits. Obviously, we still want you guys around, but if it's truly decentralized, things will be more owned by the community. Yeah, and you know, we talked about that a little bit um, and, and our interest in this, um, we've talked about that all along. Um, you know, Scott from the DY kind of presented an idea around that at the last community call. Um, around, you know, there being kind of two spheres of influence in the Helium network. There's the sort of DY, sort of the alliance and the, the board of directors and then the core developers. But I think one thing that um, Scott was intentionally not specific about was that the core developers didn't have to make up of Helium Inc. team members, right? Um, it could be anyone in the community and Helium Inc. happens to be some of them. Uh, and that's, that's how we want this to be long term. Well, I'm sure it will continue in that direction. But until then, you guys have got so much to tackle, especially with all the recent growth. And one thing I want to dive into is validators. Sure. We are, we've been running in testnet for a few months now. It seems like it just started and now it seems like it's about to be over. So I, I want to know a little bit about how that's going. How is testnet yeah. going? Are we wrapping up testnet? I noticed there was a survey circulated to nominate who was <laughs> most helpful during testnet, which made me feel like we're finishing testnet. Yeah, so you know, we went into testnet thinking, and we started thinking about validators, and, and like started building in earnest um, in January of this year. And so for us to be, uh, you know, coming into June, and we set this like idea of Q2 as a as a launch deadline, which is um, most people in the crypto ecosystem kind of laughed at us about it because they're like, well, you're changing your entire, uh, you're changing everything about your network, um, <laughs> you're changing economics, you're changing participants, you're doing a lot of change. Um, you know, if you look at other uh, other proof of stake networks um, and their test nets, you know, they run one, two years before they're launched. Um, and the reason the difference sort of is like, we had a network already beforehand. We had a lot of the, the fundamentals, you know, we had libp2p, we had elections, we had this consensus group and block production and, and uh, you know, how to use our blocks. All those kinds of things were already there. We also needed to invent a lot of new things that made sense for our network. And, and we did that. Um, we, and that's what we've been doing over the, over the test net is we've been trying to, uh, to, to understand 
what do we need to do to to think about this new paradigm, which is block production happening on on you know cloud nodes, like on on AWS, on, on GCP, uh, or in in data centers, right? And in real data centers, not um, uh, little Raspberry Pis sitting on your your tabletop. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a miracle that it worked. I've said this probably like I sound like a broken record at this point saying this on this podcast, but like I still can't believe it works. It's definitely getting towards the end of the line of like how much it could work, though. So I'm sure you guys are just like pushing and pushing and pushing to get this out safely as soon as like humanly possible. Just to think about what it is, it's 50,000 Raspberry Pis connected over libp2p um, across the world Um, and going through. Um, you know, odd NAT and carrier NAT and, you know, some IPv6, IPv4 proxies, like all just every kind of um, kind of uh, networking setup that you could have um, is, is like this network is connected to each other. And that's, that's really quite incredible. You know, I don't think LibP2P was intended to scale to the size. Um, and we, we, we were sort of stunned that we got it past 5,000 uh, nodes. You know, we had to continue to make changes along the way. And we've, we had to acknowledge this the other day in, in Discord, like we had to make a lot of changes over the last several months and over the last several weeks specifically um, to try to stabilize block production. We had to try to stabilize, um, uh, you know, the network as a whole and to get it to validate. Ultimately, we're doing this so that we can get to the next phase of the network, the next phase of scaling. We want to see 200, 300. 500 you know the the other day i was telling somebody at the um in the team that you know we should plan on helping our next real milestone should be 1 million connected nodes uh, on the network and this could be light nodes this could be uh, uh could be full miners just all of these kinds of participants um in total like we should that's what we should scale for well if we reach 50,000 nodes on this loosely connected to misuse a technical term <laughs> network it seems like we could get to a million on a much stronger foundation of having data centers with high-powered machines powering the blockchain and powering the the p2p connections and having more light clients that are talking over grpc instead of you know having this crazy web of peer-to-peer interconnectivity what's left what what is left for us to get from where we are now to get to that future yeah and so i think there's there's a couple of different things that we uh, so as, as you noticed we did land a significant portion of the blockchain core code. Um, you know, ultimately we wanted to land all of the code that was relevant uh, around all the chain bars that we would need to activate um, uh, so that we would make sure that block production continue to have. You know, there's a lot of downstream customers now. Um, we have uh, we have open source routers that are also blockchain nodes. We have multiple manufacturers running um, now multiple different versions of the miner software. Um, so we wanted to give them all a, a, you know, a few weeks at least of buffer to know that they would all be upgraded because um, we don't control all the OUIs anymore, right? Which is part part of the point. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want to be the only router and console in the in the, in the network. And so, you know, that's that's what we were uh, our, our intention there was to like to land blockchain core so that we could enable staking and then eventually enable blockchain elections. And those are the sort of two phases that are next. One is um, we want to enable the stake validator transaction, give everyone a chance to be able to bring a validator online on mainnet um, and stake it. Um, and then so that when we enable electing, um, everyone kind of has a, has a fair shake um, and, and sort of being added to the consensus group. Um, and then once we sort of go through that election, the initial election process, you know, it'll still be the same consensus group size in, in the beginning, we'll slowly start to ramp up the, the consensus group size as well. And that's, you know, our, our goal long term is, you know, to have a 30, 40 member group, where, you know, 15 members isn't really sufficient for a 50,000 node project. So it looks like everything is about two or three weeks away. Like maybe that's when people start to be able to stake. Do you anticipate that there might be any other things that you would need to wait for other than just giving the whole, whole ecosystem time to upgrade? Um, so because we control uh, the firmware of a lot of nodes that are out there, we're able to very rapidly push code. And we had to do that over the 
over the last weekend, right? We, we had to, um, you know, do an emergency release um, because we had a chain halt. Um, and you know, this is uh, this is something that we have the, um, you know, it's it's a crutch that we're, that's available to us today, but that won't exist with with validators. You know, I've you've definitely heard of other networks um, having to do a sort of a call to arms, right? Like all validators come online. You know, we have a chain halt. We need you to do X, Y, and Z in this order in order to. Um, get us to continue to produce blocks, and this is something that this is a very big change. Um, we don't get to, um, and you know, you know about you know about it, and a lot of members of the community know about it. We don't get to burrow into the hotspots anymore, right? Because the the, the block production is happening on validators, um, and so you know that's something that we um, you know we're very cognizant of. It's it's a major upgrade um, to the network. It's a major uh, sort of upgrade towards decentralization, um, and we. Um, but you know we have to be reverent towards that, and so that's those are the the things that we think about. And so um, you know having the right telemetry around what is happening on every node, that's something that we're working on. Um, uh, making sure that nodes um, will automatically skip blocks or skip transactions that may not um, ever come into consensus. Um, that's something that we you know we need to be able to do, or the really the consensus group. And by, by we I mean the consensus group need to be able to do. Um, and those are the things that we're we're sort of working on right now. Where we're sort of finalizing. Um, things like auto skip and and things like um, you know like what are the penalties what are the, the sort of DKG penalties that, that need to be set um, and those are the sort of the last things that we believe need to be in before we would feel comfortable activating collections. It looks like there are a lot of ecosystem partners that are eagerly waiting for you guys to reach that milestone of activating sure. elections. There have been a bunch of validator as a service projects come up in the last few months. Many have run on testnet and provided access to clients during testnet, which I thought was very cool. Like we were all practicing together and a few very well-known companies have announced support for Helium validators as well. So Akash, which is another uh, sort of decentralized AWS type blockchain project announced support for decentralized Helium validators, which I thought was very cool. And another big staking company called Bison Trails owned by Coinbase also announced support. I noticed there was a little bit of confusion because they announced that they had worked with the Helium team to reduce the unstaked cooldown from five months to three months. And as I understand, that's not even possible without using the HIP process. And you guys did come out with a public correction to say that that is not actually happening. So what exactly happened there? Yeah, you know, the, the story there is, it sort of goes all the way back to when we started the HIP. Um, so when we, when we released the HIP around validators, we um, picked a couple of different numbers around amount of lockup locked up uh, HNT, so amount of staked HNT, um, the amount of time that it would be um, in a non-bonding period and, you know, uh, and then also some other like, you know, minimums of how many validators we want to have and, and, and sort of the idea that, you know, actually initially we, we had this notion that you could over or understake, um, it wouldn't mean anything, but you could do it. So we had to, you know, through development, we resolved a lot of the questions that we had around what we wanted to implement for launch. And you know, one of the things that we implemented was let's just only allow a 10,000 HNT stake. Um, another thing that we talked about early on, um, and you know, I remember sort of mentioned talking about it in the community back in, in February. It's like, what if we reduce the the cooldown period? And then why does the cooldown period long? Um, and why is it longer for us versus other other networks that are out there? You know, ultimately, we need to do the right thing for our network, right? And then. We can't necessarily, you can't really compare our network to um, Ethereum or Solana or, or Polkadot or, or anything. They're, they're all different kinds of proof of stake. Right? Some are delegated, some are nominated, some are, um, uh, you know, the, so something like Ethereum, like it's it's just a single stake amount, you know, 32, 32 ETH. Um, so, you know, it is important to understand what else is out there in the ecosystem um, and crypto as a whole. But it's also important for us to, as a, as a community, to do the right thing for this network. Right? And, and ultimately, the very, very long See, you know, from the outsider perspective, cooldown is actually not very long for us as insiders. You know, we want folks staking who have a 
kind of a long long-term view, like a long time preference um, for this network and, and are willing to, to put up that, uh, that amount of HMT for a long period of time. There were conversations early on uh, about us reducing the cooldown period, um, but we never really formalized that as a, as a, as a HIP or, or as an amendment to the HIP. And even though we were having these conversations, we as a team, uh, uh, you know, myself and, and Evan and, and Amir and Professor and, and some other folks on the team, and we talked about this, um, that we should, you know, we should consider a different number. We never really made that public. And that, that's, that, that is on us for not really being, being explicit about it. We were just hinting about it in the community um, and then thought, you know, all along that we'll probably, you know, publish this at some point. So we did. Um, and, and, you know, I did on, uh, I guess, last Monday at this point. It, you know, we, we, we pulled it back pretty much within hours because, you know, we kind of felt it and we also got the feedback very quickly that if, if this is a change that we want to make, um, that we want to propose, it should go through a governance process, a real governance process. Um, and, I, you know, something like the one that was proposed um, in the in one of the latest tips um, around, you know, governance by token burn. Or maybe there's some other governance processes that could exist for chain bars. You know, ultimately, this is a chain bar. The, uh, the withdrawal period is something that will be... Um, controllable by the community via chain variable through some governance process um, going forward uh, as a network. And, and that's something that we can uh, we can revisit. And so it's something that, you know, if, if there are members of the community that want to revisit this, uh, I think, you know, they should. So if someone wants to propose reducing the cooldown period from five months to three months at this point, the next step of action would be to write a HIP and discuss it on the DY community call? I think that's right. And, and that's, I think, what the community expects us to do at this point. Speaking of HIPs, I know that there's been a lot of chatter about HIP24, which was introduced a while ago. So for those who are not familiar with HIP24, it essentially introduces on-chain reward splitting. So the basic idea is that you could take a hotspot and instead of having all of its rewards go to one wallet, you could have half of the rewards go to one wallet or half of the rewards to another. You could have three different wallets receive the rewards. You could change the percentages that each wallet would re receive. And essentially that would take all the mining rewards each epoch every 30 minutes and split them between all those different wallets on chain without anyone having to do anything in terms of paying each other out or anything off chain. It would just all happen on chain. And this, there was a lot of discussion when this first came up. Since then it died down, but I noticed a bit of a resurgence. And I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts to share on that hip. Uh, you know, I, I can see a lot of value in having the ability to, to do an on chain split. Um, you know, the, I actually the um, the author of the of, of the hip um, Eric um, Bonesaw uh, is uh, um, you know uh, he and I spoke very early on when he was writing this hip um, about you know sort of what this could look like and and you know I I was very much in favor of the idea of being able to do some kind of some kind of split of, of rewards you know split of ownership I think is a little harder and like I, I don't necessarily want our network to get mired in the sort of local legalities of ownership and you know ultimately that's that's one of my one of my still one of my concerns i guess on even reward splitting like you know how does this uh overlap with with off-chain um sort of legal structure that might exist in you know we we are in the united states and you know we we should not presume that our laws will apply everywhere in the world and you know this is a global network and and it is important for us to um be uh be just be sort of separate from that I and mean, we don't need we shouldn't have to think about those um you know, I, I still think there is um, a need in the ecosystem for um, some way to split rewards. And, you know, I think they I think this can happen off chain um, personally. Um, and, and the reason why I personally think that is like we, we want to make sure that the blockchain is it's kind of true to what it's for. Right. Uh, you know, it is it is intended to incentivize the deployment of wireless infrastructure. Um, it is um, 
And although it would be easier for certain deployers, certain kinds of deployers of wireless infrastructure, and certainly, you know, you have, um, you, you know, you could certainly also use this, and I could too. Um, having the blockchain have to do this sort of management of, of the splitting um, is actually fairly expensive. We, we aren't a generic smart contract chain. Um, we're not looking to allow any kind of contract to exist on this on this uh, on this blockchain. Um, and you know, we want to be very very specialized for for this one use case. Um, so I would say that uh, you know. We should probably, you know, this is really just a matter of focus. Uh, maybe it's kind of a maximalist view of what the what the Helium blockchain is supposed to do, um, and it's supposed to do a few things very, very well. Um, the other thing to think about, and you know, something that I've, uh, it's taken me a little bit to like truly understand, but it's uh, but it's come from all the scaling issues that we've had. Um, you know, the rewards transaction is the most expensive block to produce, and the largest block to distribute across the network, um, and you know that. Uh, only gets worse as there are more hotspots on the network. And if, um, you know, we made a major um, improvement to the actual block size and the transaction as the rewards transaction um, with rewards v2. Um, and that, you know, that was an incredible amount of work uh, by Mark Allen and our team. Um, but, you know, even the sort of calculation of that reward is still fairly expensive. And, and just kind of imagining, let's say 10% of the network um, decides to use reward splits and they decide to split two or three ways. You know, we are um, thinking about a, a pretty incredible increase in, in the complexity of that of that calculation. Um, so, you know, I think, I think what the community probably cares about, what do we do instead, right? Like, this is still a need. This, there's a product need here. You know, when I was building Mylar a long time ago, I was actually thinking of this as a product feature that Mylar would provide um, because, it, you know, it didn't exist. Um, and I'm sure other um, other folks with, you know, way more hotspots than I, I you know, I did um, uh, are thinking about still. Um, you know, I think, I think we are moving um, the network to, um, to be more compatible with other blockchains that are out there. And I think that's something that we should, you know, strongly consider. You know, I think bridges to other chains, bridges to smart contract chains um, might be an opportunity here, right? Um, you know, what the, the two major things that I'd like to sort of point the community towards um, is uh, sort of upgrade to the to threshold cryptography that we did, started supporting the, the BLS curve, um, and then the um, the support for, for multi-sigs. Um, those two features um, really, like, we're, first of all, upgrades to the network itself. The, the threshold cryptography um, improvement will help us scale the, the consensus group, and that's great. Um, but it'll also help enable some some sort of interesting cross-chain things as well. Um, you know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, with ThorChain, but it's a it's sort of an interesting um, uh, project that's that's out there in the ecosystem that allows um, cross uh, cross-chain swaps. Um, there are also other um, sort of more native uh, cross-chain protocols out there. There's Cosmos has. Um, I think it's called the IBC, um, and and then Solana has Wormhole, and these are these are two really like you know really interesting projects that allow um, kind of cross-chain interactions, um, and you know I think that uh, sort of cryptography upgrade that we did you know potentially allows us to do something like that as well, and then you know an on-chain multi-sig is another thing that we could uh, that will definitely um, uh, help with with sort of building that kind of infrastructure, and you know or really look to uh, the community to, to think of ideas like that um, and, and start to build in that direction if that's something that they really want. Um, you know, we could certainly do something um, really simple. Um, I don't know if you noticed this with, uh, with HIP26, I think was payment memos. Um, we picked a very simple path, right? We picked uh, the, the sort of HIP was about being able to send full text messages to other um, to, to other folks um, via a memo. Um, and that would you know, bring on a significant amount of um, overhead to the blockchain to be able to store all that. And then you know, also concerns around like, hey, what 
what's on there. Like, what if somebody puts something on there that's inappropriate? Like, is the chain now responsible for that? Like, that's there forever. And, and we know we should think about that. So instead, what we did is that we built the sort of similar memo system as we had for, for token burn, where you can put a small little thing in there and that could refer to something that's off chain, you know, maybe a message that's off chain that you'll retrieve. Um, so like, you know, we, we try to build things that are, that allow that kind of flexibility, that allow that kind of interoperability with other things that, you know, could be off chain or cross chain, right? And that's, that's what, that's our goal ultimately. We want to, we want, we want something like this to exist. We could do something like, you know, maybe split the rewards address from the actual owner address. And if their rewards address happens to be, um, you know, an Ethereum address or a, or a Solana address, that could trigger something really interesting um, across chain that where, you know, a, an actual um, smart contract is fired. I cannot wait to see people start building these types of cross-chain solutions. I just think it's so cool. It's like the ultimate decentralization and it's just like using smart contract platforms in the way they're intended to be used and the way they're best used. So my mind goes crazy thinking about all the stuff that can be done on Solana. I'm just such a huge fan of it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, the Helium chain has supported a lot of these features for the longest time. I mean, you've had hash time lock contracts in there since like basically the beginning. I'm pretty sure Amir, the CEO, wrote that himself. So it's been in there for a while. You've got multi-sig now. You've got the you know different uh, elliptical curve and whatnot. Actually, I'm not an expert on that stuff, but it's, it all seems like it's really useful. We as the Helium network should stay good at what we're really good at, which is incentivizing wireless infrastructure build up. Um, and we should enable folks in the community and folks in other communities to build these bridges um, towards like really generic smart contracts uh, that, that are out there um, that, that people want. You know, we shouldn't necessarily have to build a DAO on top of the Helium blockchain. We shouldn't necessarily build a, um, an NFT inside of the Helium blockchain. And, you know, we shouldn't, um, even though this is something that we're all interested in, and we, we you know, certainly this, this week's announcement is, uh, is one of those things. Oh, wow. You, you, you really baited it there, the, this week's announcement. I'm, I'm very excited to get to that. Um, I definitely want to offer a little bit of additional perspective on HIP24 as well as someone who is a fleet owner. For those of you who don't know, I run a company called Fairspot and we have a bunch of hosts and we pay them out every week. And HIP24 was something I was initially really excited about. I love you know, what you're talking about with decentralized solutions. What I've come up with as a solution to my own problem is a centralized solution, much like you were building with Mylar. And you know, I, I could see the advantage of something like HIP24 basically bridging the user experience for someone who doesn't have that many coding skills or is just working with a small number of hosts. But really, I think there are a lot of actually downsides to it and that, that aren't even related to chain bloat, but are actually just related to logistics. First of all, it's just really, really easy to do an off-chain script that will calculate earnings. This is like one of the very first things I did with my hosting company. You can write it in a day or two, you can use the Helium API, or you can run your own ETL instance. Once you have that going, it's very, very easy to do these reward split calculations. Like it's, it's just like totally trivial. And one thing I've noticed is like our hosts love the predictable payouts every Friday. Like they love payout day, getting one lump sum. And a lot of people don't think about like regulatory or tax things, but like this has multiple advantages, right? This really simplifies people's taxes. We pay them out directly. That means we can collect a W-9 from them and give them a 1099 form to make their taxes easier. They're only dealing with 52 transactions per year instead of, I checked, it's about 16 to 17,000 transactions if you're mining for a full year and you get rewards every epoch. And it really helps us in the regulatory side of things. You know, crypto is somewhat of a legal slash tax gray area. So collecting these tax forms and issuing forms and reporting all this to the IRS, having ourselves as a middleman is, I think, a good signal to regulators. If there's ever scrutiny on us, less liability for us as a middleman of sorts who is collecting and then redistributing funds. I think it's a lot easier to make a case that we're doing that in a traditional, predictable way that regulators are very familiar with. And I think it's important to retain control as a hotspot hosting service. You're giving out these hotspots for free. 
If someone turns their hotspot off and you're on some sort of automatic split program, they're just going to keep getting the rewards until you issue some sort of chain command or you know, maybe you don't even remember to do that. If you have control of the funds, then you can withhold funds in the case that someone is doing something that you don't like. So I think that's also a really important thing. Um, and yeah, lastly, we are concerned about the chain bloat. And I agree with the scope minimization argument of just helium. The helium blockchain should do what it's good at and, and no more. And these systems are very, very limited. This isn't some centralized database where you can just crank the AWS instance. Every <laughs> byte of data that goes in the chain and has to be communicated across the network has a tremendous cost. So you really want to only communicate the bytes that you said, just like the payment V2 memos that you mentioned, right? It's what, eight bytes allowed? I think that's really all you need to referentially tie something in your database or decentralized system back to the helium blockchain. Right. I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, we... Um, I, I love I love that perspective on on sort of predictability and simplicity. You know, we uh, I used to work for a payments company, and then one of the things that our merchants really cared about was that sort of you know every every morning they got paid for the day before, and that sort of helped them with their payroll. And like it was like very very predictable. And and the fa and you know we definitely had early on you know, it was a startup, and early on we had outages, um, and the, usually the outages happened over the weekend. Every Monday morning, um, uh, our merchants would get the largest payment um, that they would because they had all of their um, cards, cards that they accepted uh, over the weekend, um, and you know, for some, some businesses that were sort of weekend heavy, this this is a really important payment. And you know, like knowing that they were getting it consistently on that Monday morning because it usually was like the moment that they um, initiated all their payroll checks because payroll usually gets pulled like a Tuesday so that they could get paid on Friday. Like there was a whole. Um, sort of organization and sort of, pro sort of process around, I get paid, I pay my employees, and, and then my employees come back the next weekend. So like having that sort of very regular cycle of payment um, was, was really important for our merchants. And I can imagine the same thing for some of your hosts. Um, you know, having this be very regular, they sort of know, you know, here's what I'm getting paid, um, and I'm going to get paid on this day. I can, I can see the value in that as well. So you mentioned something about NFTs earlier, and I want to come back to that. <laughs> Sure. I hear some whispers. I hear there's a project going on relating to helium and NFTs. I actually heard more than a whisper. I literally saw it announced on Twitter, but you know, I like to make <laughs> things seem more mysterious than they are. Um, but yeah, really interesting, mysterious, exciting thing to be announced. We're recording this the night before the Bitcoin conference in Miami. There's going to be so much cool stuff happening. And I see that one of the things that's happening is in less than 24 hours, helium Zodiac NFTs. Please tell us more. <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, so this idea of NFTs is um, an old one. You know, I, I love supporting artists like that. That's where I, I do have a love for NFTs because of that. And, you know, ultimately, there, there's a lot of questions around what are NFTs, what's ownership, you know, where's the, uh, and, and I don't want to go into, into all those today. But, you know, ultimately, like, I actually started thinking about NFTs back when this, like, it's actually a perfect segue, this reward splitting. Um, uh, we couldn't have made it. This conversation could have been more well-structured um, because, <laughs> you know, we thought about and I brought this up as something that we should consider doing. You know, what if every entity that was rewardable on the Helium blockchain was an NFT? That was that was sort of the initial idea. So you know, an HST, a hotspot, and a validator, right? And those are sort of rewardable entities. Um, what if they were NFTs? And then how about other entities that are on their blockchain? Are an OUI is another example. Um, like what if that is something that's owned that's on the network? Um, really, these are the assets that are that are that have um, other effects on the network. Um, they might be rewarded, they might be consumers of packets. You know, what if they were NFTs and they could be representative as NFTs? What if they could be subdivided and you know, have multiple owners, maybe through a multi-sig? All of those things were sort of ideas that we had um, at this point, it feels like many months ago. Um, and you know, I was excited to see the reward splitting uh, uh, um, hip, 
because uh, you know it was like internally it was joked. The joke was it's it's a buys NFT hip, and you know of course like that you know I I loved it so much um, for that reason and maybe maybe I liked it more because of that back then I wasn't thinking about Chainblood at the time, <laughs> <laughs> but so so I've always wanted to to think about like you know, you know we have these beautiful names for all of our hotspots you know um you know, but the the team uh, Bones I think specifically. Um, created this hash um, and it was uh, the hash of the public key it created a uh, the the angry the angry purple tiger right the the adjective color animal name um, and yeah there there's some dupes in there and I think there's like 80s some more dupes at this point um, but um, these are names these are real names and they could they could be uh, represented as, as as entities on this blockchain it could be nfts um, so so yeah so that's that's been in the back of my mind for about it feels like months now um, you know a few uh, a little while ago um, I sort of pitched this idea of um, what if we could mint special hotspots, right? and 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 we could we could say these are these are very special. Um, we uh, and you know we have these original hotspots that we created back in 2019, and we only have like uh, I think at this point since I just took 12 of them away, like we might only have like 50 of them left. Period <laughs> that have never been asserted on chain. At least we in our possession. I'm sure there are others that have some some OGs lying around that they've never asserted. Please plug in your hotspots. Provide some, some coverage. <laughs> come on, guys. We need <laughs> like, you. Come on. What are you like? What? Are you, bring it in. Like bring it. In. We're expecting you to come, right? But you know, these 12. Um, you know, we found um, unique names. Um, we we uh, were able to sort of build art around it, uh, around that name, uh, sort of representing each one of these hotspots, um, and we. Uh, and we decided that we needed a platform to do this. And you know, we um, the, the first thought obviously is what are the largest platforms for building NFTs? You know, that you have things like Foundation Mirror and, and other things that's on Ethereum. Um, and that's those are you know super interesting, very like very fully featured, um, but incredibly expensive to to mint, right? And we we weren't looking to um, spend a lot of money from, uh, on, on minting them because we wanted to actually give the proceeds of this to, to charity. Um, and so we wanted, we wanted to figure out like, could we, is there another option out there? And so we, we spoke to some friends at, at the Solana team um, and they, uh, they told us about this idea that that's happening in their community called Metaplex. Um, they're working on this, um, this, this project, um, it'll be ready by BTC Miami. And we said, well, I guess we better hurry and, and, and make some art. <laughs> and so we made 12 uh, special pieces of art. These are, um, these are cards, um, and 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 actually would love to show uh, some to you if, if we can screen share and figure this out. I would love to. I would love to see them. <laughs> I'm so excited. Awesome. All right, let's do it. So yeah, so we um, decided to uh, build uh, a, a a marketplace, um, and we used a, a platform that um, the Solana team. Actually, it's not even the Solana team. It's the Solana uh, ecosystem. Um, they built a, a separate foundation called the, the, the Metaplex Foundation, and they built uh, a, a marketplace that allows creators um, like us um, or sort of other creators like musicians and artists um, to create uh, NFTs. Um, in the Solana blockchain, you know, I know you're a fan, uh, and you know, but you know, maybe some of your listeners uh, don't know that the the costs are incredibly, incredibly low. Um, the uh, the speed of this blockchain um, is is it's an, it's an incredibly fast chain, um, and it's really meant for very, very generic smart contracts. The Metaplex uh, team built uh, really sort of simple smart contracts on on the Solana blockchain to allow creators like us to um, create um, uh, NFTs and store it on Arweave. Um, so um, you know the 
cool thing about Arweave is you sort of pay upfront and it's stored forever um, rather than you're sort of paying um, by use um, later. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's, so it sort of combined the Arweave things, the Solana things, and with some auction uh, dynamics, you can do auctions that are um, tiered. You can have um, participation NFTs for being part of the auction. You can, you can do all sorts of like really interesting things. We, we kept it really simple. You know, our um, NFTs are, are cards um, and those cards uh, represent uh, an, an original uh, uh, Helium hotspot. Um, and the, the sort of interesting part of our NFTs is that you can redeem, if you're the owner, you can redeem for the actual hotspot with the exact same name. And that's that's something that we were excited about. And, and so we're doing this for the first time um, for, for these 12 hotspots that we have on hand um, with these names that we, we have on hand. And, and I just kind of want to scroll and show you kind of what we made. So these are the cards, oh, or wow. at least one view of the cards. So we have you know, a snail, a griffin, a kestrel, um, a bull, a bison, a mandrill, an ape, an albatross, a lobster, a hamster, a llama, and a snake. And, you know, we really wanted these cards to be something that you can like touch and feel and, and play with. Um, and, you know, so, you know, so like if you, if you interact with these things, you can kind of see that they, they sort of have a, a shape, um, oh, they have wow. a color, um, and each one of these colors actually matters. Um, uh, and the hamster is actually one of my Ooh. favorites. Yeah. Holographic. Um, <laughs> Jesus, I want it already. Um, and then, you know, I, I also really love the bull. I mean, it's just this beautiful gold. Um, and, you know, these, this art was made by, um, by our two um, design team members, um, uh, Pete and Bello. Um, they are, uh, they are incredible, incredible, like, minds when it comes to, to, to building just beautiful things. And the, you can see that in all of the work of everything that um, we've built in Helium. Oh, yeah. um, you know, they, they, uh, they really, really care about UX. And I think this is one of the things I love about Helium. Uh, as a network and, and Helium Systems as a company, you know, we are, um, we really want to make, you know, UX be really, really, really sort of at the forefront. Um, and that's been the way from the beginning, right? Our, our hotspots are super simple. Our, the app is super easy to use. You know, that, that's been our approach and like, we want things to be accessible and simple. Um, and so these are the cards, um, but you know, what's really interesting is that it's not just about the cards, um, but it's also about the, um, the video. Um, that, that goes with the card. And so I want to show you that. I don't think you've had a chance to see this ever. So no. there's a video and I'm going to show you one of, I'll, I'll show you a few of the videos. Um, so here's the ape and um, I just kind of want to show you like what it looks like and, and, and like sort of how it moves. Um, Cause it really wow. is, it really is beautiful. Like the card so know, beautiful. floats super well on the website, but you know, you can kind of see what this thing is. Um, and, and then I, I want to show you one more um, okay. and just, and it sounds like you really like the, uh, which one did you like? I'll show you that oh, one. Oh, the hamster is nuts. What the, the hell? Yeah, see the hamster? Okay, we can, let's, let's have a look at the hamster. Um, <laughs> Not to give it all away, but geez, the holographicness of that was just, like, oh, God, right. Pokemon so cards, man. I'll stop sharing. <laughs> <laughs> this one is, uh, why it looks uh, the way it does is because it's actually translucent. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. And so, oh, yeah. People they... are going to go for this one. This is going to be, the, <laughs> this is my prediction. It's going to be, this is the one. This is the one that's going to get bitted up like crazy. <laughs> well, um, you know, I would love to see it. Um, ultimately, uh, all of this is for charity, and we're um, we decided to support the the Give India um, COVID relief um, initiative. Um, they have a, a few different um, initiatives that they're they're supporting. Um, uh, one is um, sort of getting oxygen to people. There, there are a lot of people in India are are sort of are recovering from from the illness um, at home, but they still need oxygen. And this is something that is also very personal to me. I've got family in India, um, and so you know I'm, I'm really glad that we are uh, that we we found a, a group that's that's directly supporting uh, folks in India to get oxygen at home. And then they're also like helping develop care centers, like where you actually can go and and be if 
you're you're afflicted and and, and be supported um, as you're as you're sort of recovering, hopefully, uh, from this this horrible disease that's been that's been keeping us locked in and uh, and and for for over a year now. We thought that this conference was uh, for for the crypto community is like one of the first opportunities for folks to get back together. Um, uh, but you know there are parts of the world that aren't able to do this yet, um, and you know we wanted to we wanted to support that um, right right now. You know even though some some members of the crypto community can come together because we've done different things here, um, and we're sort of in a different part of the of the pandemic as, as than other parts of the world. Well, it's such a good cause, and it's really truly heartbreaking what's happening in India, and I've been watching and. I'm, you know, my thoughts go out to everyone who's affected by it, you and your family members and, and just everyone else, the global community at large, you know, it's not over for everyone, as you said. And I think if we can offer support in any way, that's something that we should all make a goal. And so I think this is a really awesome charity auction. There are so many things that I love about this. I'm not really one to get excited about NFTs in their current form. I think that, you know, there's a lot of potential there. I used to play a lot of video games like World of Warcraft when I was younger, and that's kind of like the stuff that gets me excited when I think about NFTs is like rare swords and stuff. Course, but yeah. um, this is like a seriously beautiful implementation of NFTs. Uh, the Metaplex project is really interesting. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And it seems like it's just like it's beautifully implemented. It's running on Solana. That's so huge. I mean, I can't overstate how huge that is. I, I get so frustrated when I see new projects, especially NFT projects launching, and they're like launching on Ethereum today. And I'm like, ah, it's, it's such a waste. It's really such a waste to launch anything on Ethereum because you're, you're limiting yourself to such a small crowd uh, or you're limiting yourself to having to use some layer two, which is going to end up just fragmenting the e ecosystem. And so the fact that you guys could do this on Solana in a place where truly everyone can have access and participate and the transaction costs are like one and one hundredth of a cent. I think that's really going to bring in, first of all, people to the Solana, Solana ecosystem, but also just provide accessibility that is not typical in these types of uh, projects or auctions um, by, you know, just virtue of people not having to pay $150 to submit one transaction just to submit a bid. Uh, and so I think I'm super excited to see how this goes in terms of, you know, how much these cards are bidded up. I will definitely be submitting some bids myself. <laughs> I can't get enough of OG hotspots. They're, they're so beautiful and um, they're just like iconic. And I think not only are they going to be worth a lot in terms of money in the future, I think they're going to just be like worth a lot to me uh, in the future because helium has been just like such a big part of my life in the last year and a half. So how can people get involved? Like what's, what's the launch going to look like? I see that there's a countdown timer. Uh, if you <laughs> yep. go to zodiac.helium.com right now, so when that timer ends, what's are we going to have to like jump in it as soon as possible? Like what what kind of wallet should people have ready? Like what's what are the steps? That's a great question. Yeah. So um, the you won't need to jump in immediately. Um, first of all, our, the auction's going to run for twelve days, um, starting uh, starting Friday around twelve fifteen uh, Pacific time, um, and uh, and so so well, people have time to to set up their wallets. You know, we we're not looking at we're not looking for a mad rush here. Um, you know, the the ecosystem around wallets is is new um, in in the Solana side of things uh, compared to something like Ethereum, um, but it's it's really like. I think it's actually fairly well developed. I mean, there's there's some really incredible wallets that people are using these days. Um, there's Phantom, which is I think my favorite, um, and uh, and you know the the secret. So it has a it has a beta invite code that you need to get. But um, but the secret that I've heard is that if you go onto their Discord, you can find it very easily. It's not very hard to to, to get the the secret beta invite code. Um, <laughs> and I hope that team doesn't hate me for saying that. I hope I don't get sued on this podcast for leaking. Yeah, that we're info. we're both gonna get yelled at and kicked out of the Solana <laughs> ecosystem for that. I guess. God forbid we grow their users. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's, I mean, to their credit, it is a beautiful product. I, I think, um, you know, 
and I, I'm sure you've used MetaMask on before, and, and I have too. And you know, it, it's just way better than MetaMask as well. And I oh, yeah. give them credit for really building something, like learning from what you know where MetaMask could have been better. And, and they, I think they did a really good job there. There's also things like Soleil, um, which has been in the uh, or Solet. I, I don't know how people say that. <laughs> I call um, it solid, but so I love Soleil. I think let's just go with that. It might be solid. I, I might be completely <laughs> wrong. Uh, I'm gonna get yelled at by somebody else. Like, great, I'm just making all sorts of enemies today. <laughs> so you know, uh, I, I think that's gonna be great as well. And the other thing, you know, to sort of bring on, I think um, FTX Pay is gonna allow you to sort of onboard uh, by a fiat as well. Um, if, uh, and so the, the auction will be done in, in Seoul, in, in Seoul tokens. Um, and uh, our goal at the end of this auction is to donate this either directly in Seoul or we'll, we'll probably try to convert it to fiat in a safe way um, uh, to, uh, to and then and donate it directly to the, to the Give India campaign. Are you guys going to have any other presence at the Bitcoin Miami conference other than this or is this the big thing? This is the big thing. And, and in fact, like none of the core devs are going to be there. Um, uh, but um, Scott, who's the director of the DY, will be there, um, and uh, you know some of our investors will be there, um, and they'll certainly be talking about um, about this. You know, we didn't, uh, we decided not to go. You know, we're, we're a small team, um, and you know, we didn't exactly know how we would fit in the in, in this in this one conference. Certainly, we will be part of other conferences in the future, and you know, this was this is something that we thought that we could do from afar, and, and we had the support of the the Metaplex team here, um, and they uh, they were able to help us help us bring something out. How did you guys get in contact with the Metaplex team? I'm curious how you linked up there. Um, through our through one of our um, early uh, company investors. So you know the the multi-coin folks are also um, uh, investors in Solana, um, and so they uh, we we reached out. I said you know hey Tushar like I don't want to mint this on Ethereum, um, but that is the best option right now. What are my options? What are my options in other in other uh, platforms that are out there? And you know this this kind of the timing was perfect and yes there's a lot of beta testing um and you know there's a lot of uh new code that we had to uh, encounter um but you know some of those engineers are, are incredible and i worked with some of the salon engineers who are just like absolute monsters they're so good <laughs> they really are i've been watching them for a while and i've been participating in their ecosystem as a validator and it's just been i'm i'm literally not a day goes by that i'm not like blown away by something that they do or just like how solid their product is or how solid their design is or just how long-term they're thinking. Um, just tons of credit to the Solana team. I think Helium and Solana have not only social connections and business connections, but I think you guys have a very similar spirit and um, the drive to just create something that's very focused and, and very high quality. So, you know, hats off to both teams on, on this project. Yeah, no, we, we we couldn't have done this without them because we certainly were not going to be building NFTs on, on the Helium blockchain, kind of to our earlier point. Like, it's not something that we should be doing. Well, Abai, thanks so much for talking about all of this exciting stuff that's happening. We're all looking forward to validators. We are all looking forward to this launch tomorrow. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I really recommend that everyone who's listening go check out the Phantom Wallet. Maybe try Solid or Soulflare. Just get accustomed to the Solana ecosystem. You're going to have to figure out a way to get Soul tokens. I'll leave that up to you. But uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on there. And, you know, I want you guys to be prepared for this auction starting tomorrow. Um, is there anything else that you uh, would like to shout out or add on before we uh, wrap up here? <laughs> uh, do I have a one more thing? Uh, I mean, I think uh, just just a thank you to this to this community that we have. And, you know, Armand, I know you uh, 
you spend a lot of time, um, you know, you're a moderator on the uh, on the Helium Discord, um, and you have hosts that depend on you, um, and and you also help a lot of folks in the community. And so, first, shout out to you, um, and, and thank you. And oh, this, I think this podcast is a is a wonderful introduction to what we are as a as a community. Um, I loved, like, obviously, it's it's fun to see Tushar and 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 Amir on this on this podcast, but I actually love the kind of intro podcast that you did with with new community members like that by far, I think was my favorite episode um, that you've done. Um, because I think that's that's what our community really is. We're incredibly welcoming to new folks to crypto and to new folks, you know, in IoT and new folks in Helium. And that's that's um, that's what I want to be forever. And 70,000 Discord members today, 100,000 Discord members, you know, whenever that is, um, you know, 200,000 hotspots, uh, you know, million hotspots. Like I I want that community that that sort of um, almost like, you know, we are we are very personable. We are very welcoming to to new members. Um, and that's that's and I think you're a big part of that. And, and the community is at large, um, you know, does a lot to make people feel welcome. Um, that's that I want to, I want to, you know, that, that's why I'm here. I, I want to build that community. Well, that's why I'm here too. And I just want to forward your welcome and your thanks to anyone who is listening to this podcast for the first time. Like if this is your first episode, thank you. Just thank you for listening. We like, I'm constantly amazed by the amount of support we're getting. We're like, uh, hanging out in the top 50, like us tech podcasts now, which is like, I don't know how I got here, but <laughs> I couldn't have done it without, you know, all the work that the helium team has done and all the work that other community members have done. I think, I think helium is one of those things that's just so obviously new and awesome that people are really willing to drop other things once they realize like how real it is and, and sort of like put their all into it. And that's what makes me, that's what gives me the most faith in the future of helium is just that like when, when people go all in on this project and really get involved, they, they don't really turn around. I haven't really seen any community members leave. So really looking forward to just the future growth and, and thanks to everyone for uh, being active participants. And thanks to you for showing up today and having this yeah, chat with for me. Sure. Absolutely. Love to talk to you. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your night. It's not much night left. <laughs> get some good sleep before the uh, worst, conference. Worst tomorrow. for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. oh god yeah. east coast baby all right <laughs> all right sure, thanks so much yeah. take care yeah thank you thank you take, take care thank you so much for tuning into the hotspot if you love our content and want to support us even more please consider subscribing on apple podcasts and leaving your honest review this will help the podcast reach more people and educate them about the helium network